Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life Wrestling Show. Sincere Hogan, that's me. And got Mike Marlowe on the line. What's up, bro? I'm doing good, man. We've, we've, had, a, we've had a great discussion for about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Before we even started recording today, like our, our friend Gavin Van Black, he just sent me a text. He got stuck in, in New York City traffic, and we all know how brutal that can be. So he's having a hard time getting back to the gym to be on the show today. So we'll get him on another time. He is the guitarist for the band Burn. And he's also a strength coach. We've had him. We had him on last year. Really interesting guy. Yeah. And Burn has some new music coming out. They're touring. If you like New York City hardcore, you'll love them. They're great. So anyway, we'll get Gavin back another time. But we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. But before we get to that, I just wanted to do some LLA VIP shoutouts. These are people that are going be above and beyond to support the show. Actually buying products and using that coupon code LLA to get ten percent off. So let's see. We have Trent Hollier, John Johnson, Vincent Dash, Graham Cox, Liz Penny, Anthony Merlino, Mick Moyer, Barry Haylock, Angus McRae, Todd Smolin, and Eric Rivard. They all use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements around, stuff that actually works, stuff where I'm not paying anyone to say they use it because I don't have to because the products work. The customers buy it. They love it. They send me feedback, and <laughs> you get to see that on my website. So use that coupon code LLA. Go get the best nutrition supplements around. Also, my new adrenal energy supplement, RED, which stands for Real Energy Dominator, is coming out hopefully next week, so first week of March. Right now, the labels and the bottling is happening this week. Yes. So I'm looking at the first week of March. So that all that information will be on my website, but it's got rhodiola in it. It's got shilajit in it. It's got ashwagandha in it, and it has maca in it. And what's cool is all four of these ingredients also have pro-testosterone-boosting properties for men. Yeah, so we, for people that want to cycle off of during – a lot of times people ask me, you know, what do I do during that four-week period where I'm off of the aggressive strength? And sometimes I'll say just take EC, but a lot of times they're using EC on an eight-week cycle. So now yeah. there, there isn't anything for them to take. They could take something like this. You could also stack it with aggressive strength as well for some synergistic benefits. So it just depends on what your goals are. But anyway, that's coming out soon. The coupon code will be applicable for that. So look for that next week. And all of this is at MikeMahler.com. Definitely, man. Cool. And you can use that same coupon code over at NewWarriorTraining.com, folks. And telling you right now, I mean, yeah, for some people, it's still cold as crap outside, and, <laughs> which is always funny, that, that phrase, cold as crap. Like, who? <laughs> I'm not the one that going, <laughs> I'm not the one that goes out and grabs crap just to see if that's true, but I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure it's not cold. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but that being said, you know, but the thing is, people, you know, still enduring winter, you know, over here in the States and on the flip side of the world, you know, it's starting to cool off. It's about to be fall, like in places like Australia and all that. So you, you get to that point where people are still consuming their nice, warm beverages out there and people still, especially the coffee lovers out there and tea lovers out there. So my thing is head over to newwarriortraining.com, use that coupon code and grab yourself a Cheerio door and get some of the best coffee that you've ever had by doing a pour over method. You know, there are a lot of great benefits to pour over coffee, man. I mean, Pour over coffee provides a bet, like a cleaner cup of coffee. It's less, I mean, you, you got more of a fuller, more bolder taste with your coffee as well as your tea. And I'm not leaving out the tea consumers out there as well. So, but like I said, this is one of the purest ways of, of drinking coffee. So therefore, I mean, you get the, the water temperature just right, right around 200, 202 degrees, you know, and pour that bad boy over your coffee and pour it over fully. You get to get all of the coffee that you're using. Stop wasting your money. I'm telling you a lot of times when you use these, these auto drip coffee makers, 
you're wasting a lot of money, even those Keurigs, because a lot of them are pouring the water right down the middle of the coffee grinds, which means all the other coffee surrounding where that water's dripping and is missing, you're paying for that, and you're not even utilizing that. And that's why you're getting this coffee that ends up being flat, or, you know, it becomes under-extracted, you know, kind of watery, and you're missing so many different flavors out there, man. So just kind of imagine if you went and bought, like, I don't know, like a nice bourbon or scotch and pretty much the guy puts in a couple of drops of the scotch over ice and pours water over the rest of that and you and then charges you like 20 bucks for it you'd be pissed off well that's what you're doing every day when you use like an auto drip coffee maker instead of doing pour over man so yeah you know somebody said well you know that may take a little time it doesn't take as much time to do a pour over method especially with the trio doors that it does with your auto dripper pretty much the same thing man you know there's so there's always a way to make things more efficient and speaking of efficient you know it's also more efficient for the fact that using a Cheerio door, instead of wasting a pot full of coffee that you're probably not going to drink or you probably should not be drinking because it's killing your adrenals, you know, now you're breaking it down to just one cup at a time. You know, you're using just enough coffee to get that one cup because that's what you really want to get your day started. That's why you want to do this, man. And like I said, you get a better, like I said, you get a better extraction when you're doing the pour over method. And this is also less crap going into your coffee. If you if you're a person that uses French press, then this you know one thing about French press, you tend to have grinds going into your coffee, and nobody likes that. That's just it's just nasty. So another thing is by using the bolsita, which is the little sock that you have in your chiria door, you know you don't have to worry about those grinds going in your coffee. It's just you got water and your coffee going in your coffee. So yeah, man, and like I said, saves you a lot of money. You can take it anywhere. Go over there, grab one of those trio doors, man, over at newwarriortraining.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get a discount on that. And last but not least, become a monthly subscribe a subscriber of the show and help us out and keep the show going and growing by going over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. You know, shouts out to all of the folks who continue to support us on a monthly basis over Patreon. And you can do the same. Just start off with a $5 monthly donation, man. We appreciate that. And if you want to give more, go for it. We appreciate that too. All right. So, all right, man, let's, let's get into some of these topics that we spent about an hour and a half talking about yeah, before well, we start recording. That, one that's cool. And, and it ties in with the Tria doors because mm-hmm. I know you can use that to make green tea as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, I used it to make my mate tea this, this morning. There's this chocolate. I don't know if you say it mate or mate. Mate. Yeah. Mate. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I used, I got this chocolate mate tea at this great place in town and I used the Tria door to make that and I mean, it's just delicious. Oh yeah, it's really good stuff, man. So you can do, so for those of you that aren't coffee drinkers, you can still use it for other things. It's actually good thing. as chocolate, though, even because I know a lot of people whenever they get the regular herba mate or whatever, it tastes like cigarette ashes. <laughs> you know, if you don't know how to really brew it correctly, you know, and so it's kind of good that they have a chocolate mate. Like, I, you have to send me that link. I'm gonna have to get some of that, man. Yeah, I'll find the name of the place <laughs> once we get going here. I'll just grab it real quick, but. <laughs> Well, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that I, I read this really interesting article about green tea yesterday and its fat-burning effects. And there was a study, and this is at ergo-log.com. You can go over there and read about it. But they basically said that for every cup of green tea you drink, it boosts fat-burning by 5.7 grams. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like much, but over the course of a year, that equals 8 kilograms of body fat, which is about 17 pounds. Yeah. You know, so that's huge, man. You know, 17 pounds of body fat just from drinking three cups of green tea, which has tremendous health benefits anyway. You know, forget about the fat loss. There's so many benefits of green tea for antioxidants. It has theanine in it, which is good for relaxing the mind. Has a little bit of caffeine for those of you that want to boost, but maybe not too much, like coffee has. And then it also actually helps with 
managing estrogen. It has estrogen-blocking properties as well. So there's actually been studies that show that green tea helps prevent breast cancer in women. So anyway, there's so many reasons to drink green tea. And now here's one more reason is that it helps your metabolic rate. So it helps with any kind of fat-burning goal you have as well. Man, that's pretty awesome. I mean, and that's another thing I always like, just to cycle off the coffee with green tea, especially right, right. before a workout, man. About an hour yeah. before a workout with some green tea, man. You know, one of the combinations, one of the stacks that I would have when I didn't have the coffee with the stack was like I would take your testosterone booster and I'd have that with green tea. And I'd, I'd drink about an hour before my training session. And I'd also go ahead and take the green tea with me during And I would sip on it during my training session as well. And then after. Um, it, it helps big time, not only just give me that energy boost, man, and that focus that you need during a hard training session but it also starts that recovery process during the training session while sipping it you know during and after so it really helped with recovery man big time and so that, that's, that's that's another great benefit of green tea just the recovery effects from a hard training session and there's actually some synergy between green tea and one of the ingredients in aggressive strength which is macuna mm-hmm. macuna works on improving brain chemistry, brain mm-hmm. performance, balancing neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, etc. Right. And green tea has some similar properties. So taking the two at the same time mm-hmm. also boosts your brain. And that's going to boost your physical performance as well. So and who wouldn't want that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think anyone's going to complain about those benefits, man. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually doing the same thing. I've been cycling off coffee for a couple of weeks now. I'm doing green tea, I'm doing the mate. Yeah. And especially pre-workout, it's incredible. Yeah. Because, I mean, sometimes, you know, people drink a couple cups of coffee before a workout, but sometimes you're a little fried by the time you get into the gym and get ready to start your training by that time, you know, just because of all the overstimulation that's going on. And so some it can be very counterproductive at that well, point. Well, I think the problem people have with caffeine is this. It's not like they feel great and then they're taking caffeine for an additional boost. They right. feel like crap and <laughs> right. they think, I need this just to go to the gym. <laughs> Let me get a few cups of coffee. I feel like training now because right now I feel like shit. I don't even want to work out. Well, that's a problem. Yeah. Why do you feel like crap? You know, if you feel like crap and you don't want to work out, you're probably better off resting. Yeah. Time. Now, if, now if it happens all of the time, that's a, that's a clear sign that you have some adrenal issues and you need you need to address that because most of the time you should naturally have energy to want to go to the gym and work out. You shouldn't need anything. Or it could mean that your training program sucks and you don't look forward to it. It's like you need to reevaluate <laughs> that so program. <laughs> just the thought of it, just like, oh, I don't feel like we're, I don't want to deal with that crap today. <laughs> so. uh, I've, I've been doing Matt Kroc's squat program. We've talked about yeah. his deadlift program, but in his book, he has a squat program. And I just started that. I actually took last week off from training just to relax. And mm-hmm. then this past Saturday, I started his squat program. And the first workout calls for Five sets of 10 with 60% of your one rep max. Yeah. So I, I calculated my one rep max at about 415. You know, I can do 405 easily, but mm-hmm. uh, 415 is what I estimate would be my true max. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it only calls for 245 pounds for those sets of 10. So I go, this is going to be a cakewalk. This is going to be easy. <laughs> so I'm banging through the first couple of sets. I'm just banging through it. I mean, all, none of the sets were that difficult, but by, by the very end, my legs were so pumped. <laughs> It was crazy, man. It's like you could barely walk out of the gym. And the soreness I have today, two days later, man, forget about it. It's brutal, man. So sometimes things can be deceptive. But oh, what's yeah. What's funny is, I mean, as the, as the program progresses, you're using much heavier weights but much lower reps. Those workouts equal way less soreness. 
than yeah. lower percentage in these higher reps. And it's similar to German volume training, which is six. That's what I was thinking about when you said that, man. Yeah. 10 sets of 10, which is, I mean, five sets of 10, I'm sore as hell. If I did 10 sets of 10, forget it. Yeah, to my, yeah. <laughs> Sitting down would be a problem. Getting back in your car after, you know, the gym is like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to need, I'm going to need Uber or somebody so I can just lie down in the back seat. Because <laughs> there's just something about when you say that 60%, when you, as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, I remember doing German volume training. Then I'm like, ah, 60%, no big deal. Yeah, by the time you get to like set five, you're kind of like, okay, this is starting. This is like God walking starting to suck right now. But oh, yeah. I got a great pump. I mean, <laughs> I, I usually recommend people start at fifty percent, yeah, a little bit lower because yeah. that ten sets of ten is is deceptive, man. The first three or four sets are usually a cakewalk, and then all of a sudden the fatigue kicks in, the lactic acid builds. Yeah, that's the thing. That la- <laughs> and then. Uh, sets six or seven are usually brutal. What's funny is you usually get a second win. So around, around seven, nine or ten, it's yeah. like you've it's like you've tamed your body. And I noticed a similar sensation when I go sprinting. Yeah, you know, the first run, you're like, oh man, I got to do nine, ten, or whatever, whatever number you have set. I have to do more of these. And I'm doing 11. Actually, I'm doing 12 runs right now. So after the mm-hmm. first one, I go, wow, 11 more to go. And <laughs> yeah. psychologically, I always say, just think of one run at a time. Right. If you're thinking of 11 more right now, you're just going to break. <laughs> so it's two. And then now you're on three. Now you're on four. Now you're on five. By the time, what's funny is you're pretty fatigued at six, seven. Yeah, eight. seven. It's something about that seven. And that's something I always yeah. I learned about. The nine, and maybe it's only because maybe psychologically, you know, you only have. You see the light. <laughs> yeah, you see the light at the end. <laughs> but it seems like at. Once once you get to twelve, you feel like you could actually do more. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Like after the first run, you're like, "How am I going to get through this workout?" <laughs> and then by the time you do the last run, you're like, "Huh, I could probably." It was, do it that wasn't so bad. <laughs> but you always want to leave with that feeling. You want to get yes. to an end of a program like, "I could have done more. I'm not going to do more, exactly but right. I could." Just because I could doesn't mean I should. And you want to have that type of option, you know. Whereas most people now just like at the end are like, "God, I'm just happy. I'm still breathing, <laughs> and and I don't have to be carted off somewhere right now." Well, it's like I say about the practice sets, right? Like yeah. my double military presses, I, I'm taking a page from Pavel Sotsilin's book. He has the Greasing the Groove program. Yeah. He, he wrote this great article in Muscle Media Magazine that applied to push-ups. So yeah. if you wanted to improve how to get to 100 reps in, I think it was five or six weeks. So let's say you could do 50 push-ups. You would half that. So you do 25, and then you do a set every hour throughout the day. Yep. And what's cool about this is you can do push-ups anywhere, right? No yeah. equipment. Even if you're in your office at work, you can get down and do 25 push-ups. You're, even if you're a UPS delivery guy, you can just yeah. get out of the truck and do 25 push-ups. Yeah, you can so do it in the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> No one even sees you, you know? Even if you're on a plane, you could probably fly. You could probably go to the back and, you know, yeah. and big out some push-ups. I mean, it's one of those things that you could do anywhere, at the airport, you name yep. it. But anyway, the key is that every single one of these sets, you should leave fresh. And that, that's why you have an hour in between sets, so you're never fatigued. Yeah. So if you're doing 25 reps, you should be able to do 25 straight without stopping. It shouldn't be something where you get to 15 and you have to pause for a second and then you cut <laughs> out more. Right. So so applying that to double military presses, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I have this goal of pressing double 88 15 times by October of this year. So right now I'm doing sets of six throughout the day. It's February. In mm-hmm. March I'm going to go up to sets of seven, and then in April sets to eight. So I'm going to get to the point where I'm actually doing sets of 15 throughout the day, which means I could actually do more than 15. But I want the 15 to look easy, crisp. I want it to look perfect when I film it, put it up on YouTube, put it up on my website, or show it, demonstrate it in front of people, etc. So the key where I'm going with this is that every single one of those practice sets, you should always be able to do more like what you just said. Right. So if I'm doing a set of six, that sixth rep shouldn't even be remotely difficult. Right. If it slows down – or you barely complete it, you're doing too much. And right. this program will not work if you do it that way. 
practice sets take a lot of discipline because it feels easy to the point where you almost feel like you're not really doing anything. It's like, well, what am I doing here? I mean, that was just too easy. Let me go for more reps next time. Right. And you really have to be disciplined to put the brakes on. Like right now, sets of six are so easy that I'm just banging them <laughs> out six straight without stopping. And there's always that temptation just to do one more. It's just like, yeah, you know? what's, what's, what's seven? Yeah. You know, but, but I've been down this road in the past where I'm like, uh, I, I increase the reps too fast. And then the whole thing unravels. You get injured. You're burned out. I mean, I, I was doing practice sets with sets of nine with double 88s back in 2012. But that was that was too close to what my max was at that time. Right. So every time my max was probably 10, nine's too close to that. So now you're basically just now, now you're just demonstrating strength instead of building it right is what was happening there so here what i'm doing is i'm i could do nine right now too i can tell it because six is so easy i'm doing six without stopping but i stop there i'm not going to go up to seven until march 1st right and then i'm not going to go up to eight until april i'm just having the discipline to do it this way because that's how you make practice sets work if you want to go old guns blazing then you hit it hard once a week and then rest Right, that's what yeah. we do: with deadlifts and squats. You know, those are much harder. I'm, I'm doing pretty heavy deadlifts, where it's it's once a week. If I wanted to do practice sets with deadlifts, I would use much less weight, so I can really focus on technique and all that. But I don't want to do that for deadlifts. I like lifting really heavy. You know, so right. I'm, you have to be honest with what you're trying to get out of it. If you don't have the discipline to put the brakes on and leave some reps in the bank, then practice training is not for you. You want to do just more traditional workouts where you hit it hard and give yourself more recovery time. But I'll tell you what, if you have the discipline to do this, especially for pressing, I, I've never done anything that improves my military press more, especially kettlebell military press, more than these frequent practice sets. Yeah. And that's something that you could do. Also, like, I know a lot of people want to improve their pull-ups. Some people just like, you know, that's just oh, yeah. pull-ups is just that one that one thing that people just to keep chasing after. Like, God, some people just want to be able to just do, you know, one you know, without struggling, you know, and then there's something you want to do. I want to at least bang out five without having to stop or 10, right. something like that, you know, and that's actually when I first discovered like Pavel's program was actually just thinking about pull-ups and they came up, you know, just trying to improve that. And so many, yeah, he, he wrote an article about that too. He yeah. That's how I found it. Yeah. He worked with the Marines to help them with their pull-ups. Yep. Similar principle. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because, um, you know, even just bringing up the, the Marines, I saw that, um, I believe the army right now, you know, and I think we talked to Nate Morrison about this before. I think the army's now changing up their PT program and, and I don't know exactly what they're doing to, you know, enhance it per se, because, you know, because of the integration that's going on right now with their officers, with the female officers. So I think they're trying to level the playing field or actually really qualify those people for certain positions or whatever. But my thing is, you know, when we talked about this with Nate, there are so many, you know, that couldn't even pass the standards you know, as far as the PT requirements now, you know, before this. So it makes me wonder if they're going to actually like bump it up a little bit, you know, and I always have, I've had people in the past, young people in the past, like I need, I'm getting ready to sign up and you know, enlist and I, I want to be able to, you know, be able to pass the PT portion of it. And I'm kind of worried or whatever. And this was one of the things I always suggested to them, especially like push-ups and pull-ups with oh, them yeah. doing this grease in the groove program, you know, to help them with that. I'm like, you know, yeah, it's going to suck to have to just start off and just try to do one with good form. And, but you're going to have to have patience. But here's the thing. You're going into the military. Patience is going to be your best friend. In a lot of things you're going to have to endure when you're there. So you might as well start now. So that's, that, that was always one of the go-to programs I gave to a lot of these kids that were coming up, you know, yeah, to help them with that. it's a perfect program. If you can only do one pull-up, it's a perfect program because guess what? You need a lot of practice. Yeah, yeah. Just doing five sets of one once a week is not going to cut it. <laughs> right. So if you have a pull-up bar at home where every hour on the hour you just go out there and do that one rep. Right. And then when that one is easy where you're just flying over the bar, go to two. 
Yeah. <laughs> then gradually go to three. It, it works. It, it works extremely well. I remember when I got back from my last international trip last year in April. That's when I decided I wanted to start doing double kettlebell military presses again. I hadn't done mm-hmm. them in so long that I just started off with double greens, so mm-hmm. fifty-three pound kettlebells, and they weren't difficult, but it, it didn't it didn't feel good. I mean, my mind hadn't done it in so long. It, it just you didn't feel in the pocket. Right. So I was like, this is a perfect way for me to start off at right now because if I try to go to reds right now, it's just going to be demoralizing. And it's gonna, it's gonna look, and it's gonna look kind of crappy as far as form. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, and that, that's what's gonna make it demoralizing. And also, it's, it, it doesn't matter what you could do, a couple years ago. Right now, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> so you, you, hear, you hear that, guys? Guys, you hear that? Smart. <laughs> you hear that, guys? Smart. So don't talk to me about yeah. what you benched when you were 18. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking like you know 2012. Like, that's what I'm talking like what they did 20 years. Ago. So I'm like, you know, this is like 2014, and I'm saying, okay, don't worry about or 2015. Don't worry right. about what you did in 2012. Right. Like a few years before, but that's how much things can change. So my attitude mm-hmm. was, be very patient. You'll get back to the 88s in no time if you're patient with it. Right. And sure enough, that's what happened. I started off with greens, worked up to sets of 15 throughout the day, then moved up to oranges, which is 62 mm-hmm. pounds each, mm-hmm. moved up to worked up to 15 over the course of several weeks. Then I got back to the, to the reds, which felt great on the first set because I was patient to get there, gradually worked those up to 15. And then I went up to 84-pound bells, worked those up to about eight, and I said, okay, fuck it. Let's go to the 88s. And guess what? The 88s felt perfect on the first set. You know, the first set I did four, nice and clean, and it felt great. Now, if I tried to get there too soon, it probably would have been like one or two reps, and it would have felt like really difficult, like you're giving it all you've got, and it's right. barely going. And I hate that feeling. You know, so that it was it was really confident building to first time you clean those bells in a long time and press them, they just fly right up. Right. And that was maybe uh, November of 2015. So in, in less than a year, like maybe six months or so, I was able to get back to those 88s by having a very methodical and patient approach. And now I'm well on track to hit that 15 reps. There's no reason in the world why I won't hit that 15 reps going at this pace. So again, it, it, it requires some patience. Now, some would think, well, man, you could get to that 15 reps a lot sooner. Why wait until October? You could get there probably by June if you really push it. Okay, I was so. like, yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> and then I, what? I could get injured too. And again, I don't want to do 15 reps where the last rep, last couple of reps look like shit. I want 15 reps where all 15 reps look great. So if yeah. you have a more methodical approach, and then guess what? The longer it takes for me to get there, the longer I'm going to hold on to it exactly. as opposed to I get there quickly and then I lose all the strength again because yeah. <laughs> you're burned out. Right, exactly. And somebody, even just the mental aspect, not even just your physical aspect, but just oh, yeah. you know getting it in here. But then your mind is so like, oh, whew, I'm glad I finally got that over with. <laughs> I don't ever want to do that crap again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if, if someone says, hey, Mike, hey, man, um, when's the last time you double press with 88s and all of a sudden you roll your eyes just hearing it just pisses you off like god don't even talk to me about that (laughs) so you don't want to get there I like doing this shit Yeah, so so you don't ever want to get to that point where somebody just even says you know double press kettlebell presses and you're like here we go. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's like what you said about coffee. Like you like drinking coffee, so you don't want to drink so much that you burn yourself out right. and now you can't drink it for a while. <laughs> exactly. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> so it's so, a similar principle. But you, you, here's the thing, though. I'm enjoying the practice. Yeah. It's not like me pressing sets of six throughout the day makes me feel inferior or less of a man. You know? <laughs> it's fun, man. It's, like this, it, it's fun for me to be back pressing 88s. I tell you, it's like it's like you haven't seen a, an old friend in a long right. time. It's like you know, it's that kind of feeling. And, and you feel great. Like every time I bang one of those sets out, I'm like, I'm a bad motherfucker. <laughs> you just feel good, man. And, uh, 
I think that's one of the things that people often forget about training is that you want to feel good going through this process. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to beat yourself up so much that you're like, oh, man, I feel like shit and like I'm tired. You, you can't get anything else done that day because you pushed it so hard. Look, man, there's enough stuff going on with external elements in life that are trying to beat you up anyway. So right. don't don't join them. <laughs> you know, don't don't add on to the stress and, and the pressures or whatever, especially with something like this. That's training should be very enjoyable to my be, getting stronger should be fun as hell, man. Yeah. All as yeah. all get out like you should be smiling. Like, you know, when you're done, you put that weight down. You're like, fuck, yeah, I just did that. You know, who doesn't want that feeling, man? So and like and that carries over to everything else. So on those other elements that are trying to beat you down, you're like, nah, not today, bro. I'm good. <laughs> you, my, you don't have no control over this. I'm good. I'm I think good. you. I think you really want to focus on the quality of performance too. Yeah. So what I mean by that is you you take a more methodical, targeted approach so that when you execute the goal, not only do you do it, you do it seamlessly and it looks good. So when you do that deadlift max. The bar comes off the ground, and it's a smooth rep all the way to the lockout, as opposed to the bar barely comes off the ground, and you're screaming, and your knees are buckling. And barely, <laughs> I know. Back looks like your back is rounding. Turtle, so turtle, like, turtle. It's like your shoulder blades are about to pop out. Exactly. I mean, come on. That, that's, I mean, even if you achieve the rep, that's not what I'm going for here. I want it, I want it to look good. You want the perform- yeah. Like when you see – like you go to a Cirque du Soleil show in Vegas, right? You see these incredible performances. You look at look at people's faces while they're doing these monumental Dude. tasks. They're, they're not showing any strain or discomfort no. or anything because they've mastered it. And that's why – They make it look so easy that you say to yourself like you almost start fooling yourself thinking I can do that. Let's go practice this at home. <laughs> There were two guys who perform at one of the shows at my gym just working on some of their drills. Yeah. And I was like, wow, man, this is really impressive because they were doing basically like Turkish get-ups with each other. Yeah. And they made it look so seamless. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, if these guys fuck up right now, one of them's going to fall on a treadmill or hit the mirror. I was like, this, these guys really better know what they're doing. And sure enough, they did. Right. There, there really wasn't a lot of room for error in the space they had. But that's what – we all get mystified by it. it's like when we see a professional who performs at such a high level and they make it look easy. That's the part that we're so impressed by. We're like, right. wow, man, that is crazy. And, it, and it's anything but easy. But they're so good at it and they've mastered that skill so well, they make it look easy. Exactly. And so and that's why some people are like, oh, man, well, you should be doing this. It shouldn't be that problem for you because of this, because they see that after effect. It's like, right, dude, right. you don't understand the journey they got to this point. When you see these guys down at, you know, in the NFL and these guys are on the court who make these shots look so freaking easy. Like yeah, yeah. he didn't just do that those in the last four years of the NFL or the NBA or whatever. He's been doing it since Pop Warner. He's been doing it since he was like four years old. This dude is now 30. Do you understand? That's 26 freaking years of work he's put in, of right. constantly, constantly training, which at the, on the flip side of that becomes very discouraging to people when they do realize that. Because some people are like, well, shit, I don't want to have to do it that long. No one said, first of all, you're not trying... You're not going to be LeBron James. Dude, you're 44. Just get over it. Okay, but here's the thing. You know, there are a lot of 44-year-olds who won't even go out on a court and do anything at, at all. So here's, here's the deal. You're not trying to go and get an NBA contract tomorrow, but at the same time, you're trying to, ask, you're trying to add on to that contract of your life, man. So go out there, shoot a little bit, get going, and just put some time and effort into it, man, and, and just make it. Like I said, go for that quality instead of just the quantity. Like, well, damn, now I got to well, go. Like, you know, the, like the first rule of a good strength coach is you don't get your client injured, right? Exactly. <laughs> that should be your philosophy with your own workout. Yeah. Because you're, you're basically if, – if you're training yourself, you are your own strength coach. Yeah. So you should be training yourself the way you would train a client. 
Meaning that my mm-hmm. first goal is not to in, get myself injured. Because if I get injured, then I can't do this. Right. And on the flip side of that, don't, but don't take that as, well, I don't want to get injured. So you don't push yourself. So you, you're being very careful and then you're not really putting enough effort to even get any type of like gains or increase yeah, yeah, yeah. in strength. So, so there's, there's the paranoid. flips of that. Exactly. So you don't want to have this paranoia like, Oh, I better not push it too hard. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get injured. But what usually happens with that though, when you are thinking, here's the thing, no matter how much you sit there and say, well, I don't want to push myself because I'll get injured. You'll find a way to get injured by trying not to push yourself. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the person that drives well, so yeah. slowly on the freeway because yeah, they don't exactly. want to cause an ac- they don't want to get in an accident, but they cause an accident because they're holding other people up. And so here's the thing: so you got to find that that medium. You just can't be either or. You got to. Well, get I, th- I think with training, one of the things Pavel was really good at getting out there when he first came on the scene is this mm-hmm. emphasis on the Russian training of not going to failure. Right. He says when you go to failure, the refs get sloppy. You burn yourself out. You you ruin the connection between your central nervous system and body. So he goes, the strongest athletes in Russia don't train to failure. Right. And that's that's a point that he was really good at getting out there. So you should – you know, training to failure means that you're pushing it so hard that the last rep looks crappy or you miss it. You miss it. Yeah. So and, but, hell, let's look at the word. Let's look at the word. It's, it's, it's kind of like – it's like muscle confusion. People, people need to look at the things they say. So when you say, I'm training to failure, why? Yeah. <laughs> why would you want to fail? You're going to train until you can't do it anymore. Exactly. Like, like why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. You you know, know, why I, is the goal to push it until you can't do it anymore? It's like, I'm going to spend like, money until I'm, I'm broke. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm going to go sprinting until, like, I'm, I fall out. Down, I'm hobbling down the field. You're like, I can't even move now, so I have to stop. Hey, but I, you it's know. Like, no. But I got 21 sprints in today. Yeah, but you won't be sprinting for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? You're not going to be sprinting for 21 weeks now. <laughs> as, a, as a result of that. <laughs> Now, and I'm using the same approach with sprinting, man. I'm adding a run each month. So I started off with 10 in January, 11 in February. I'm now moving up to 12 in March. Right. And the goal is to get to around 20 by the end of the year. But that's by the end of the year. And guess what? It, it may I may get to the point where I can't add a run every month. So now right. it becomes adding a run every two months. Mm-hmm. And same thing with uh, kettlebell pressing. It may get to a point where now I need two months to move up one rep as opposed to one month. Well, the beauty in that also is that by use. Having a more focused goal with that with your sprints, you're also giving your joints time to build up, build up to that point with you. You're yeah, not sure. leaving it behind. It's kind of like people who get do, who do like these extreme diets, and then once they lose all that weight, they got all this skin and they're pissed off. And now they got something <laughs> new to be pissed off. They're like, oh, I got all this flabby skin. Well, you didn't give your body time to catch up and and, and go along the journey with you with this with, with this fat loss. So now, like, so you're giving your joints time to build up and, and get strong, and you're also recovering in time to where you're not going to injure yourself. So you're pacing yourself with this. So this is another one of those things. Like, fast is not going to always be great. To my, to my again, let's look at titles here. Fast and furious, okay? Because that's what's going to end up happening. You go fast, you're going to be furious with the results, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Oh, that's true. <laughs> So, That's very yeah, true. I mean, it's even like with weight loss goals, I always, I always tell people, I go, look, if you lost three pounds a month, you know, 36 pounds yeah. by the end of the year. You lost five pounds in a month, 60 pounds by the end <laughs> of the year. You know, one pound a week, you're going to have this tremendous. That's 52 difference. pounds in a year, man. Come on. Like people people want to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> just because the num- just because those numbers match, that's why you want to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what are we in kindergarden now? We're reading like, like yeah, nursery. Put those two together. <laughs> so what happens in February? You know, <laughs> twenty yeah, pounds, twenty days. Bigger income in six days. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, you better get pretty good at day trading. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that can go the other way. Exactly. <laughs> it's more likely to go the other way. Come on, what is all this romper room way of looking at life, man? <laughs> Everything has to match, you know. I think I think impatience is one of the biggest impediments to success. Oh yes. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I'm the most patient guy in the world. I always say like I'm patiently impatient. <laughs> but but, but uh, I, I, I'm impatient in the sense that I'm pushing hard, but I'm patient in the sense that I understand things are always going to take longer than I would like them to. Right. So it doesn't bother me anymore. Like when I first put the order down for red, it, I think it was October last year. Yeah. And now we're it's not going to be ready till March. You know. These, yeah. and, and and my expectation would be. You know, my, my old expectation would be, okay, October, I'll have it ready before the end of that year. Right. It should have been, should have been ready to sell in December. But I've done this. I've made so many supplements now, and I've done so many orders. I was thinking, you know what? It's not going to be ready till sometime next year. So just don't talk about it at all until hey, it's in the development phase where it is yeah. right now. It's going like, to do what it needs to do. It, it's, that, that, it comes also from just being detached from the end result. It's like, yeah, you have a goal that you want to have with this, but don't attach yourself so much to it because stuff happens. I mean, we just, we just purchased another home or rental property. And yeah, okay, we started this process back in March, and here it is February now. You know, it was supposed to be finished in October. The house was supposed to be done in October. Yeah, March of last year. That's a <laughs> exactly. But but the thing is, this is not our first time purchasing a home, you right. know, and especially purchasing a rental property, whatever. So, you know, we know things happen, especially when they're building from the ground up. So, of course, you have to deal with other things, city codes. Things having to pass, you know, inspection with, with the city. You got to deal with weather. I mean, I live in freaking Texas. I live in Houston. It rains a lot here. And when it rains, that means that's three or four days of construction that's not going to happen. You know, so you know, especially this started in March, which is the spring, you know, in Texas. It's going to be a lot of rain, especially in April. Then you got to go through the fall where you got like, especially in the summer, it's just a lot of rain here being on the coast. So I always know that's going to always delay things. And like I said, stuff happens. So it got to the point where... I wasn't as impatient this time around. And there's also things you got to deal with. Okay. We're not in a market where people freely just want to give you a loan or, you know, finance you, you know, with a home, right. you know, right. so I understand that too. So I understand it's not like how it was with our current home, which we got that at a time where the market was kind of okay. And so I understand that too, because, and they're going to be a lot more strict on the requirements, you know, for you to get, you know, finance for a home and things like that. Because, and what sucks is, Nobody wants you to just take cash, you know, just like, OK, well, I have all the money. I just want to pay. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. Why not? It's my money. Don't you want to make the money? But then, of course, here's the thing you got to understand. They don't want you like we were talking about the deadbeat client. They don't want you to come in and pay for something cash yeah, because yeah. they can't. They they hope that they can hold on to you for 30 years and, and then make double their money back. So, you know, what happened to me looking at houses when they were going into foreclosure around yeah. 2008. And I would be like, well, what would it be if I just buy it straight up? They're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you know, pay for the whole thing. <laughs> they didn't know what to say. I know it confuses them. Like, wait a minute, you're you're done? And they were kind of talking in this patronizing tone before yeah. you say that. Like, oh, are you sure you can afford this? It's like, well, how about if I just want to buy it straight up? So I don't have to deal with all this mortgage and all this stuff. They're like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you're like, you know, I don't like having debt. Well, you know, the good thing about it is, you know, this helps your credit score by paying on time. I was like, well, obviously it's going to be good knowing that I can pay off my debts. You know, it's a thing. So my, if I want to raise my credit score, then, you know, I'll get a low interest credit card or something. Something like that, and just yeah, buy and gas every month. Great, you want to borrow money, but what if you don't need to borrow money? Exactly. You know, who fuck cares what the score is if you have plenty in the bank? Exactly. And what is what's so hilarious to me is like there are people who need credit, you know, good credit or whatever, but they can't yeah. get a card or anything like that. But it's kind of like being a celebrity. It's like celebrities, 
before you're a celebrity, you got to buy everything. Nobody wants to yeah. give you anything for free. But then once you get the money to afford it, everybody's giving you free stuff just so yeah. you can wear it. So the good is when you get good credit, all of a sudden everybody wants to offer you loans and 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 startup money and and give you credit cards. But I'm like, no, Every I don't. Time I walk into the bank, the manager comes up. I know. Okay. Like, oh yeah. Uh, do you need a loan to expand your business? I was like, like nah. no. I played this game right. I don't need to borrow money. For exactly. It's like, <laughs> like, I'm a smart young guy. I don't need to borrow your money. I'm good, money. man. Tomorrow I don't do well with debt. I'm sorry. Well, well, my my attitude is that I should be able to use my own company's profit to expand. Right. Exactly. Why do, borrow, why do I need to borrow money to expand? Is it should be expanding organically? Like if, if this yeah. business, if this business is is expanding, it should be expanding from profit, not expanding from debt. Yeah, my thing is if you have to actually borrow to expand, it's not time for you to expand. You're not ready. You're not ready, and we see it all the time. We see it back to the impatience factor. Yeah. Trying to get big, you know, to my, you're getting too big for your britches, as my grandfather would say. You know, like I, we see it all the time, like on Shark Tank, these, oh, or yeah. these guys want to, you know, open up two or three franchises, but yeah. the first one is running. The first one's not even profitable. <laughs> it's, it's so much in the red, it's ridiculous. Especially on the show, The Profit. That's the biggest one to watch these type of things where people want to oh, yeah. get so big so fast. Like, why? Why? Somebody, you, you got to run. You don't even have a system in place to run the business that you have right now. You have time. They don't even realize how much of a in a hole they, they're in because they're just kind of winging it. Well, when it comes to business, you don't want to wing it, man. You want to know those numbers. You want to know your profits and loss each year because then you need to make a decision, especially after year three. Like, like every month I have very yeah. accounts. I'm never guessing like, oh, I wonder, I wonder how I did last no, month. No, I can tell when something, I'm bleeding out on something. It's like, okay, we need to make a decision. <laughs> to my, do I need to keep this do I, or <laughs> let it go? How important is it to have this You know, at this point? And the thing it's is – training, training journal is the same way, right? Yeah. For the same reasons. And sometimes people say, okay, you know, after I deadlift 500 pounds, I'm going to focus on doing a marathon. It's like, well, shit, man, you haven't even done the 500-pound deadlift. And you're already focused on what you're going to do after? Yeah. Right, exactly. That, that's a, you shouldn't even be thinking about that it. That is like when you sit – that's the equivalent of sitting down at a dinner, and as soon as they bring out the appetizer, you're already yeah, thinking, yeah. like, what are we going to have for dessert? Yeah, exactly. You haven't even had the main course yet, people, dude. People, you ever notice how people just eat their main course so fast? So they can get the dessert. dessert. Why don't you just order dessert? Okay. Like you and I go out to eat. Like the the waiters coming over every five minutes. Oh, are you guys are you guys finished yet? Tomorrow. Nope. Are you, tomorrow. Are you good, plate? sir? Or are you trying to grab my plate? I'm like, I'm not done. It's dude. Like an hour into it, half the meal is still there because we're taking our time. Exactly. That's, I'm how, like, that's how you avoid gut issues and, and turning your toilet into a crime scene. You know? you take some. You take some time, man. You enjoy the meal. You enjoy the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, so yeah, so. No, but it's so true about business, though. There was an episode of Shark Tank where mm-hmm. these guys were running this some kind of food delivery company. Yeah. And they they built one location. I want to say it was in Chicago, and that one wasn't even close to being profitable. Right. And they already started expanding to other cities. And Kevin O'Leary comes. And he's like, "What are you guys doing?" He's like, "You have to make one of these things profitable first, and right. show that you actually have proof of concept. Like this thing actually works before you expand." <laughs> And, it, and no one can ever have that answer. When they, uh, the look on their faces when they ask them about yeah, that. Like, <laughs> like, like, so basic. Like you guys didn't even think about that. How, now, how much did you make last year? Um, well, we're projected to make three million this year. No. How much did you make you know those last like year? Well, let there me hold on. Let me go look at the paper. Let me go look at our reports. Like, well, where there, was, there was a guy who came on Shark Tank, and they said that for his preparation, he yeah. watched every single episode of Shark Tank. And wrote down three answers to each question. Yeah, you can. And you can always tell. I saw one episode. Where you knew somebody. Like it was this couple, and it's like they just had pretty much. Even though their product 
was like, okay, there are two other people in the industry doing what you're doing. But these people, they had their stuff so together and they were already making profit at that. And right. he's like, well, why are you right. even here? He's like, look, there are some resources that I feel like that could really help us, you know, go bigger. And you guys, you know, you're connected and you can do that. And, but here's something that we know that, yeah, you're connected and you have the resource, but at the same time, you can also benefit from, you know, partnering with us. I mean, they pretty much had the answers no matter what. Even like Mr. Wonderful, all of them, like no matter what question they asked, they already had the answer. The wife, she was so on it and she was freaking hot. <laughs> Just so, so, you know, she. It never hurts. <laughs> yeah, it never hurts because the husband knew that he knew. He's like, you know, it, I'm it, just, it never hurts, but it won't help. If it, you're it, it, that's another thing, it's, it's just especially in the fitness it. industry. Here's the thing. You can have the most banging body whatsoever. But my thing is, once you stop posting memes of yourself and you actually have to open your mouth. And have to help try to instruct and teach someone. Okay, now you know looking good is not enough because my thing is okay. Well, yeah, you well, get. Well, that's why you have female fitness girls who have, let's say, a million followers on Facebook and they're bartenders for a living. <laughs> exactly. They're not making a fucking dime because they're too busy just taking selfies and putting that out there. They're not creating yeah. any real content. Exactly. So like, yeah, you're getting a lot of fans because they want to see you with barely anything on. But how are you? Monetizing? Are they buying anything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you at least? Are, are, do you even have anything to sell? Exactly. And don't say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I just got these eight by ten prints of my last modeling gig, and I'll sign them. Guess what? He's not going to buy it because he's going to screenshot whatever po- ones you just posted. You know, that's about it. So, because you're posting, you're giving away free stuff, and then you expect someone to pay for it. So stop it. Yeah, I have a calendar coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody have a calendar. Like I have a calendar on my phone. So, <laughs> so here's the guy. He's like, I have a calendar on my phone, and I have a screenshot, and I've been creeping and saving images off your website. So yeah, I killed well, two mean, birds one stone. If you donate money to any charity, you have more calendars than you know what to do. Oh with. my gosh, yes you do. Calendars, <laughs> a calendar for every room in the house. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> calendars is not something I ever have to go out. No. <laughs> I go to an Asian restaurant. It's Chinese New Year. I'm getting calendars. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's about a month and a half late, I'm just like, thanks. <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, the, the U.S. New Year already started. Okay, so. but, but I think it's a really important point that when you're focusing on a goal, that's your focus. You're not thinking about what you're going to do after that. Like I knew so many people who got into our business, fitness business, and they would give themselves these time frames. They go, okay, yeah. this, does, this doesn't work out by the six-month mark. I'm going to go do this. Like they already had their other option. I'm right. going to go do this, and then I'm going to get – I was like, well, go fucking do that now. <laughs> Because, I mean, you're exactly. already thinking that this is not going to work. You're right. You're, you're already thinking about plan B, and you haven't even really started plan A yet. Yeah, like, exactly. Have you really pushed it hard in plan A to even know whether it's worked? <laughs> Some people are like, it didn't work out. It's like, how the fuck do you know whether it worked out or not? You didn't, you didn't work anywhere near well, it, hard. Well, what happened is. Whether it worked or not. It wasn't that it didn't work out. It just didn't work out as fast as I thought it was going to. Because it was not. Well, first of all, what you were thinking was not based on anything real. You know, it was just. Here's the thing. You can dream all day long. If you're not taking action, you're just dreaming. You need to wake the hell up. Yeah, you have to wake up at some point. Right? <laughs> <It's> yeah. <laughs> you can't just show up and hope things happen. Obviously, you have to make no. things happen. Exactly. So I think I think this mentality of I'm going to put this much time into it, it's like, well, what are you doing in that time frame? Right. You should be working so hard that you're so immersed in the process. You're not thinking about, OK, I need to make this happen by this time frame. You're not. Tell me, by the time it happens, you're like, whoa. In your mind, it should have been like, wow, that went by faster than I thought because you weren't sitting there watching the clock and watching yeah, the yeah, calendar. Exactly. You know, it's just surprised you when you hit that goal like, whoa, that's but I was just because you're in so much of the journey. You're kind of kind of disappointed that you did hit it like, well, damn, I was just getting my groove going. And well, all right. So now guess what? Set a new goal. 
you know, don't sit there and harp on this now that you've achieved it during this time. And oh, well, because you'll be that guy that's constantly talking about that same victory over and over and over. You're that guy like, yeah, you know, yeah. you know and I remember, man, I made my first million. Well, how many millions have you made since then? No, man, I'm talking about this one. You know, I'm still living off that money. Well, be people like that. People are talking about what they achieved 10 years ago. It's yeah. Like, oh, shit, what are you doing now? Because that person's God, man. Yeah. Like we're, we're, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, we're, we're all reincarnating every day. Yeah, exactly. Like, even from a, from a literal standpoint, yeah. who you are right now, your cells have changed. Cellular level, who you were 10 years ago doesn't even exist. No, exactly. You just have the memories of that person. Exactly. But who you were as a kid, that five year old kid, he and, doesn't exist. And anymore. you don't even have all those memories. What you do, you have those memories that are really based on an experience that made you feel a certain way. Someone, right. you, you don't even remember all 365 days of your, your year of being five years old you know so you're not even you're not fully you're not even that whole person when you were five when you think about that so that's another thing so my thing is let it go man the past is the past you're like what are you doing right now yeah focus on now make this the best now that you can that you have because it's the only one you have you want to have this attitude of like right now is the it's fucking awesome that's all come on you need to be thinking this is all i have is right now someone talks to me right now i'm not sitting there going oh you know five years ago but i was like no right now is where it's at man right now is fucking awesome because you're when when you when you start this journey on Mm -hmm. things you're actually passionate about the journey Mm -hmm. is the i'm so glad you brought that up the journey Mm -hmm. is the most important part yeah because when I got into the road of being a kettlebell instructor, it, it wasn't all of the accomplishments that mattered when I first started. It was just getting started and finally doing something that I was really excited about. Because before I got into this, I was just fucking around, man. I was doing, I mean, I was making good income doing a, a, a regular job, but I wasn't right. happy at all. I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't passionate about life. Yeah. If I died at that moment, it wouldn't have been any big tragedy to be perfectly right. blunt about it. And then when I first started doing this line of work, is like all these light bulbs went off in my head. Like I was so excited to wake up and finally be doing something I wanted to do. And I wasn't making much, if anything, initially. But I was just excited about all the possibilities that laid ahead of me. So that journey was exciting. And then when things started coming together, it was it was even more exciting because now you're like, man, I can actually make a good living doing this. Yeah. It's like you prove to yourself. But the, the that that journey, the person you became in the process was the most important thing out of it. And then what's cool is when you do something that Seems really difficult, seems almost impossible, and you pull it off. Now you have the you got momentum, man. Do it again, yeah. Right. So when I transitioned into developing my own nutrition supplement line, it wasn't a daunting task because it it didn't matter that it was unfamiliar to me. It was unfamiliar to me when I got into the training business. I've been down that road before, and now you just have all this experience though of of making things happen that you weren't sure about. So you have way more confidence going into whatever you want to do next. I think the key is, is that when something is not exciting anymore, you have to have the courage to shift gears. Ask yourself, Mm -hmm. why is this not exciting anymore? Is it because I'm burned out from doing this? Do I need to make some mid-course corrections? What do I need to do here? And then you have the courage to do it. Because like we were talking about with courses, what happens with a lot of trainers is that they get good at a certain skill set, and then those courses end up being popular, but they don't like teaching it anymore. Right. But they keep teaching it because it pays the bills. And then you just become more and more jaded every time you <laughs> teach that course to the point where you can't contain it anymore and people see it. Like, right. You just want to be there. <laughs> That's a real bad side. You right. You to modify long before it gets to that point. Yeah, I know, man. It's, and, you know, I was just sitting there thinking about that 
the fact just like even just like course we were talking about like so many just cannibal courses and things like that like god we never just really would never go there again man like it would have to take something really exciting for us to do a course again and you know just even in the direction that we're you know we've been going or whatever like there are so many there are so many interesting things like you know we were talking back and forth about certain things like you know what this would this would actually make a very cool course you know cool course and i think that excitement by some of the things we're doing right now even some of the people that we've you know, met along the way or already knew they've come on the show. It's like, you know, it's funny how certain people come on the show like, man, it would be actually cool to bring that guy in or that female in and, oh, yeah. you know, do a course with us. Like, you know, I think people could really benefit from that. It's to the point now where, <clears throat> you know, just like we were talking like, hmm, I was just wondering, <laughs> Should, to my, this, this may be a good time to even start thinking about, it. you know, just putting together a different a course out there man another yeah. like you know because the last LLA course was really cool but there's so many things that we've experienced now that like oh man now this had this been around you know if we had experienced this then this would have been really cool but you know the cool thing about the way we have our lives set up who's to say we can't do it now yeah yeah I mean so it's I mean it's, so anyway we've started the discussion process of another LLA podcast seminar <laughs> out here in Vegas <laughs> and I think it's something that as we discuss it further and start thinking about who we want to have there and the mm-hmm. themes, which we spent a lot of time actually discussing before we started recording mm-hmm. today, we'll probably start putting something together in a few months if we feel like we're on the we're on the right page, mm-hmm. we're on the right course. Right. But one thing I decided for myself, just speaking about what I want to teach, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to teach stuff that I'm not doing right. Oh now. hell yeah! So <laughs> if I'm going to teach a course on physical on physical training stuff, mm-hmm. it's going to be how to do. Heavy double kettlebell military presses, deadlift technique, dragon flags, ring pull-ups, right. barbell squat, some of the body weight exercises I'm working on, uh, some of the re- restorative moves I'm working on, you know, right. things like that. Things I'm actually doing and really excited about now as opposed to things I used to do. Right. Because what I used to do is just that. What I used to <laughs> yeah, do. Exactly. I, don't, I don't want to teach it just because somebody wants to learn it. It's, it's, <laughs> I need to teach what I want to teach. Right. If I'm excited about it, other people are going to want to learn that. You know, it comes through because you're going to put on a much better performance. Mm-hmm. You're going to be way more into it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be excited. When, yeah. yeah, exactly. When we when we meet someone who's really into something, it could be something that we have no interest in whatsoever. But for some reason, they're piquing our interest because they're so into it. We're like, right. wow, this person's really excited about this. I wonder what there is to it. Right, exactly. You know, the same thing, man. I was sitting thinking, like, you know, I would look more into, you know, performance-based things where you, it's going to carry over into – your everyday personal protection and 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 really putting those things together, all the things you've learned from the physical culture and from, you know, from a health and fitness standpoint. How do you apply those things into just being able to survive every day and, and, and get around? Not saying I'm going to put somebody through like, you know, the, the army's, you know, physical training, you know, tasks and things like that. And you prepare people for war. But, hey, man, stuff that's going on out there right now that, you know, basically there's a lot of things that we've done in training. You know, discipline wise, mentally wise, that can really help deal with the stresses of everyday life and not even necessarily have to react to things, but learn how to better respond to it. Or if you're someone that's into no matter what type of tool that you use to protect yourself, whether it's firearms, whether it's knives, whether it's a stick, whether all these things, those are just tools. And so the main 
tool that you have is actually what's inside your head and then how that connects with your body before you connect it to that that inanimate object that you're holding in your hand or if you're using somewhere through some other part of your body how to make all those things connect man and just be a more well-rounded person and people always talk about this warrior culture and all this over here because it's so trendy or whatever and people are, i'm a warrior i'm a warrior but there's so many people man you put them in a very stressful situation they'll 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 just cave in They'll just give up, even just their training. You know, they miss that one set, that one rep. All of a sudden, ah, screw this program. I'm going to do something else. Well, hey, man. Or they just quit working out altogether. Yeah, exactly. I'm done. They push it hard, and they're not where they want to be in in the time frame that they allocated. And they're like, forget it. It's not even worth doing at all. (laughs) Right, exactly, man. So, you know, this this is one of those things just really, we talk, it sounds very marketable to say always talk about this mind body connection and all this and a lot of times people make it look like this is a soft thing and it has nothing to do with you know training hard or you know or really being very exact when it comes to your life and really pinpointing that and make it seem like it's something totally the opposite and nah man we can get past it that's that's a lot of crap that's just that's how things are being marketed to you and because somebody's trying to sell something else and yeah so Definitely, man. I would write. I think where we're going is like if we do a course, it's gonna, it's not gonna be stuff that we think is gonna be the most marketable. It's gonna be stuff that we really want to do. Right. And if there's a market for it, we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. So so we're gonna be honest with ourselves and be like, look, (laughs) this is what I want to teach. Now, is there an audience of people that gives a fuck about this? We're about to find out. Yeah, we'll find out. (laughs) And if there aren't, then we just cancel the course and that's it. We have our answer. We're like, okay, fine. People don't care about it. That's it. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm good with it. It's not like I have to do this course. It's not like you have to do this no. course. It's just, just be something that would be fun because it's fun to teach. It's fun to meet our audience. You know, it's fun to have some real world experiences in this stuff. You don't want to just be someone who's just relegated to online activities or exactly uh, constantly. So this this allows people to not only come out and meet us, but to hang out with other students that are similar minded, have some fun. Exactly. And you know, should we bring other folks into into this and teach with us? Oh, yeah. Hey man, they they actually oh okay I I I've heard this guy I've seen his stuff online I heard him on the show but now I got to meet this guy and really get up close and personal and really learn some things from them yeah. and you know they're just it's all about creating experiences man and not just having that experience also benefiting from that experience and take things away that you can continue to use long after the that experience is over. So you're not constantly just talking about that one time you went to that workshop or, you know, that course over the two day weekend four or five years ago. And really, that's that's the best thing that's happened to you as far as learning anything. You know, you know, somebody's you know, if you're still talking about the course Mike and I did from six years ago here in Houston and, and that's, that was the highlight of your your course attending career. You know, it's like, come on, man, because the things that we even taught in that course, we've experienced so many more exciting things since then and shared some of that stuff like. We're not even talking about that. So why are you still talking about it? <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think the premise is, is you have to follow what you're excited about. Yeah. And you have to be good at these things, too. So I'm not, yeah. it's like Steve Harvey made a good point of saying, he's like, look, I'm passionate about golf, but I'm not good at it. So, I'm not, so it's like, I'm not going to go be a golf pro or a golfing instructor. And then that's an important point. You have to decide yeah. whether this is a career path or a hobby. Yeah. Hobbies are, are, are important, too, and they're fun. But I have a lot of hobbies that I would never try to turn into a career. You know, I like snowboarding, but I'm not going to try to be a professional <laughs> snowboarder. I like playing cards from time yeah. to time, but I'm not going to try to be a professional blackjack player. You're not trying to be Dan Bilzerian or whatever that guy's name is, you know, whatever. And just like, I'm, okay. not, I'm not trying to be a professional power lifter, you know, <laughs> competing in uh, events and try to get sponsorships and all that stuff. It's exactly. like I like doing heavy deadlifts. I like to, not that there's anything wrong with any of that stuff. It's just not stuff I'm genuinely excited about. 
So I'm yeah. not so, so. But the things that I, I I'm fortunate that the things I am excited about, like designing nutrition supplements, are very marketable and are very profitable when done right. Because people, there's a market out there of people that are fed up of buying bullshit supplements that don't do dick, <laughs> that finally come across stuff that works from an ethical company and are excited about Look, that. Man. There's a big market for that. Yeah, people tired of that, been there, done that. Yeah, I'm wearing your free T-shirt bullshit. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, like you want to chase your interests, but you have to make sure that you're actually good at your interests. Right. To the point, you know, to, like you may want to be an instructor, but you try it a couple times, and, and you can you can get good at these things too. So if you're not good at it, then you have to ask yourself, okay, are you willing to put in the time to Exactly. Get good what at? do I need to do in order to be better at it? To right. mind, which is a question you should be asking anyway, no matter where you are. Even if you're a good instructor, how can you be a great instructor? You know, so you always want to keep pushing that envelope. And to, when it gets to the point where you can no longer answer that question, then maybe now it's time to look into something else. Well, you know, I've, had, I've had some kettle people, people come up to me before and be like, oh, man, you know, you can. This is like when I could barely press double eighty eight three or four times. And people yeah. are like, man, you're. You're, where do you go from here? You know, you can already do that. I was like, that stuff ain't dick. It's like three times. Who gives a fuck about that? That's nothing. You <laughs> right. know, I want to, be able to do it ten times. I want to, be able to do it fifteen times. Like hell, why not be able to do it thirty times? It's right. Really blow people away. <laughs> you know? So I go. So I mean, sometimes people feel. That sometimes also, it's like you need to start hanging around more strong people. Right. Sometimes. You're looking at what you can do, and compared to everyone you know, you're way ahead of them. So you're thinking, ah, oh, I don't need to get strong. I'm stronger than everybody I know. Right. You, you, need, something, you need new people. Need some new people. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, when I get on the airplane, man, and I'm throwing the, our, our, our carry-on bag, you know, an overhead bin, and then when a guy says, like, wow, that's impressive, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I had to look at this guy like there's so many things wrong with that. I'm, <laughs> I had to look at this guy like, are you shitting me right now, dude? I just oh, threw that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> or the fact if I'm going through the airport, I'm actually like carrying both of our bags, you know, by the handles and not rolling them. Yeah, People yeah, kind of yeah. look like they're looking at me like I'm crazy, like I have something on me, like. Why look at me like that when I do my farmer's walk from Whole Foods? Yeah, I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to put this in a basket. This is a, this is a chance to work on my strength. It's a, or to actually, first of all, say thank you to the things that I have done to get stronger. You know, this is a thank you right now. Well, by it's doing funny that. when people are the opposite too, though, right? Like sometimes the bags are really. But I bring my own bags to Whole Foods, right? I say just right. pack it up, just put everything in there, don't worry about it. And then so they're packed to capacity. Yeah. You know, like, when I first started, they're like, "Oh, you need any help with this?" I'm like, "Fuck no, I don't need any help with this, motherfucker. Look at me. <laughs> Ten more bags in there, I'll carry them all in the car. Are you kidding me? Tell me, once you hop your ass in the bag, I'll carry you. <laughs> it's probably like an automatic response because I know. that's what they're so used to. Like people, people drive around Whole Foods. Parking sharks trying to get to the front spot for, forever. I know. And there was this lady in front of me. It was so irritating because she was going really slow. About to turn, no, no spaces there. Next one. About to turn, no, no spaces there. Next one. I was like, Jesus Christ, I can't get away from her. And I and I, I always say there's always parking in the back. Well, they find the they find the parking space and then it's up front and they get it, but then they realize it's for expecting mothers. Then they get all pissed. You see them like cursing because they see the sign after the fact. Like, really? You're pissed off for a space for expecting mothers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to my you, my friend, win the asshole of the day award. <laughs> Congratulations. Those spaces should be reserved for people that it makes sense for people that are handicapped. Yeah, exactly. Does it make sense that they should be closer and have the ability to be closer? Which so was least to one of my pet peeves. You, you, I, you I cannot stand can't, the person. Can't walk twenty feet, motherfucker. Uh, yeah. to my, one of the pet peeves I have is when someone pulls to a handicapped spot and they, they don't have the permit. Or they have the permit and they hop their ass out because it's not theirs. It's actually their grandmother's, yeah. but they have it on their car. I'm like, well, I have a permit. Oh, 
you know what? Well, let me make sure you actually have the symptoms to go with it. <laughs> Just keep, like, you don't keep... have a man card, though. That? <laughs> that's a big hand. That's a major <laughs> handicap. But <laughs> your man card doesn't exist. <laughs> There's a bigger problem here, buddy. <laughs> you have a much bigger handicap. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, yeah, so I mean, so we're so we're 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 getting excited about some ideas because you know the the last LLA course was fun, but uh, it was kind of like towards the tail end of me teaching all that stuff, right? Yeah, so it wasn't really weird. stuff that I I I, mean, I wouldn't say that I didn't want to teach that course, but it was like I was it was and it was at that tipping point. It was kind of like the I was like oh, I'm tired of teaching this stuff, you know. But now now uh, now that I've taken a long break and I'm not flying around teaching courses overseas and so forth. And I've had a lot more time to allocate to my own workouts and play around with different things. You know, you're getting that excitement back. You're like, man, it would be fun to teach some of this stuff. And a exactly. lot of people would like to learn it. Who doesn't want to learn how to press double 88s easily and, and deadlift 550 and all these other fun goals exactly. and do it in a way where it's safe and you're not going to get injured, et cetera. Let's yeah. really drill down these motions, techniques, or improve whatever their goals may be. You know, you may have a goal of wanting to deadlift 400 pounds safely or, or double press 24 or 53 pound kettlebells for 15 reps, you know, whatever it may be. So anyway, it's just something where people are going to come out and and get motivated by your excitement for your goals and then take those techniques and apply it to whatever they want to do. Exactly, man. So, yeah, we're throwing that around. So I guess uh, the big question is, what do you guys think? Out there listening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my, that, think- that, that also plays a big part in all this. You know, like, what do you think? Yeah, if you guys are listening to this and it sounds like, man, I want to see where they're going to go with it. You know, we'll keep uh, we'll keep this going. But I mean, it's it's something that we're going to keep talking about internally anyway, and then make a decision by let's say May or June for something. Just in time for our three year anniversary with this show, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll do something in let's say October, November this year if if it's something that comes together in that time, and and take it from there. Yeah, plenty of time. But one, one thing, one thing we should discuss, which kind of ties into avoiding injuries, is this whole uh, <laughs> announcement with the Conor McGregor Dos Anjos fight, yeah. where Dos Anjos <laughs> just got he had a foot injury and had to pull out of the fight, and we're like, oh no, yeah, we jinxed him, week, <laughs> we jinxed him. <laughs> just last week with Scott, we're like, man, I hope no one gets injured. Yeah. Then a week out. Sure the fight enough. was supposed to be March 5th. I was getting excited about it. Yeah. Because I was, I was looking at the calendar. I was like, oh fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Weekend after that, that fight's coming up. Can't wait. And sure enough, I'm all thinking about who I'm going to bet on. <laughs> I'm putting my strategies together. You know, I'm researching everyone's opinion on it. <laughs> and then that fucking fight bails out. So that sucks, man. And Dos Anjos has a really good trainer, Nick Curzon. You know, injuries happen when you're when you're training at the level these guys are at. Injuries happen, but. It seems like it's happening way too often these days. Yeah, man. That means there's something wrong there because this is the second big headlining event that had to be modified or canceled within the last within like a month, right? Because yeah. uh, the last guest was supposed to fight for Doom earlier this month, I yep. think. Yep, and he and, got injured. And they, they, I they think it's back. They had, to, they had to make a pay-per-view card free TV <laughs> yeah. because they couldn't find anything big. Both guys were injured. It's crazy, man. Cain Velasquez is always injured. The guy isn't every time. Exactly. The last time he fought, it was after almost two years of not fighting. Yeah. And then not only was Velasquez injured, Verdum was injured too. So now you had both headliners that had to pull out (laughs) of the fight. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's a rough start for the UFC this year. Let, let's hope that uh, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> Tomorrow, first of all, it's not even. Let's yeah, no, no, don't talk about that. No, shush, shush. Because hold on, because when where you were about to go, I happened to look at the the Instagram account of where you were about to go. I'm not even gonna say names or anything, but and I, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, could you not post anything? 
please, and, and, and jinx yourself because I just please don't do that. Tell me, and on top of that, also let's just I will say this: let's just hope whatever they have in store for UFC 200 that can actually happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Because here's the thing about UFC 100: everything worked out, and it was it was one of the best. You know, it was one of the best ones they ever had. Yeah. So, but but with this fight with Connor, it's not he's still fighting someone. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's not fighting Josh Anjos for the for the lightweight belt, but he's still right. fighting. Yeah, and they actually tried to do a rematch with Josie Aldo, but Aldo Aldo hasn't been training, so he's not fit and ready to go, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Aldo Aldo should have kept. Well, you know, it would have been too soon for him to fight anyway. You know, yeah, even if he can and wants to, he probably shouldn't. This nah, year. he is. But uh, now they're throwing around Nick Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, possibly one of those three guys. Cow- yeah, he, Cowboy would be fun to watch, but he just Cowboy needs not to do what he did last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fight so much, you know. I, I think uh, actually it's Nate Diaz, not Nick Diaz. Yeah, I, th- I think Nate Diaz would be interesting. It'd be fun. But oh, that'll be a lot. Of, one thing about it, it'd be a lot of trash talking. Gosh, the trash talk would be I'm awesome. Not about the smack talking in the fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forget about like all the pre-fight. Smack it's just <laughs> the amount of smack talking in the fight would be priceless. <laughs> like they would have to mic up that fight. Like they need to have something where we could hear everything because <laughs> it would be gold. I, I hope they can make that happen i mean this is pretty short notice i mean we're talking 10 days yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be i hope it's just not just someone. yeah just i just hope it's just not some i mean usually you have a lot of the hungry guys who are always ready to go and right then and there so i hope it's not one of those situations kind of like when daniel cormier fought um it has to got, be a big name. yeah it's like when cormier fought that one guy forgot his name see what i'm talking about <laughs> you know um and that guy was kind of t- trying to talk a little trash but like you know he's kind of like dude oh, no, guy, the guy he knew um from Wrestling days. Yeah, the was guy, the guy that was working. Was it Todd something? Or I can't remember. You know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's a decent fighter, yeah, but just it was it was just a walkover for a Cormier. Yeah, exactly. Which just added to more of his smack talking. <laughs> like, uh, as if he needs any more reason. So yeah, man, I just hope it's not going to be one of those situations where it's don't don't just throw someone in there just to be throwing someone in there. Yeah, you always want to flip it like you know here's a great opportunity for this person if he can if he finishes Connor. You know what it does his career? Yeah, but what if Connor finishes him? What does it do for Connor's career? Right. <laughs> yeah, to right. My, and, and everybody's pocketbook. Well, Connor said he'll fight anyone. He doesn't want to yeah. fight. So he's he's like, look, you put anyone in front of me, I'm going to fight that person. But you know, make it worthwhile for the fans, please. <laughs> okay. So yeah. You know they're scrambling night. Oh, night you know it, man. Try to figure out something here. Because if, I, I think if Dana had hair this past year, it'd be gray right now. <laughs> it'll be so gray. <laughs> I mean, pretty much all his champions have fallen in the past year. All of, especially all of his golden ticket champions. <laughs> you know, Pat, Patrick Cummins is the guy we were trying. Yeah, to that's who it was, Patrick yeah. Cummins. Yeah, now that was like a last minute replacement. Yep. For I think I think for Rashad. I think yeah. Rashad Evans yep. was supposed to play Another one is just like would have been really injury prone. You know, it's just kind of like another one of those guys. Just I don't know, man. I, I yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm by no means an expert on strength being a strength coach for MMA fighters. And right. I don't I don't know all the intricacies that go into it. But at the same time, <laughs> something has to be done to avoid injuries here because it's it's bad for the fighters because this is how they it's make bad it for work. the fighters and, and yeah. my, even on the from a, and their camps know, and everybody and on the flip side of that you know it's bad for business 
you yeah, know, for you know, which at the end of the day, that's going to trump pretty much everything. So you know, those guys. I mean, if Dan- injuries keep happening, every time they announce a fight, we're going to be like, okay, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, good, we'll luck see <laughs> good luck with that. Good luck with that. Now we're going to be sitting around, going, oh, I hope it happens, rather than oh, I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's not good, especially not for people who actually like pay for tickets to attend these things. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you got to the tickets go on sale. Let's say six, seven, eight months out before the fight happens. People are How many people going to take a chance for this fight? Yes, yeah, right? the tickets are not cheap. But then just the travel itself, you know, hotel accommodation, all this stuff. So people are thinking like, okay, you're going, you're dipping into my income now, man. So well, think and, about people <laughs> that flew out for that, what was supposed to be Velasquez for Doom, right? Yeah. And they, so they're committed. They already have their tickets, their <laughs> their travels booked, and, all, and then they, they so they come out for the fight anyway. Well, guess what? That was the most boring card <laughs> I've ever seen yeah. in the UFC. At least one of them. You know, besides the, the Thompson. Versus Hendricks yeah. fight, you know yeah. that was really exciting because Wonder Boy put on a clinic. That was Jeez, awesome. Man. But everything that happened before was <laughs> yeah. painfully boring. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine how these people. There was there was a lot of fast forwarding on my DVR <laughs> from that one, man. I'm not even gonna lie to imagine you. Imagine people flew in from somewhere to see that live, and that's what they saw. Like, they when it gets to the point where I fast forward just to the to the end just to see who gets their hand raised, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I don't even care. And trust me, I love I love martial arts i love watching people with technique and just yeah. i'm more into just see just different technique and all that i'm i'm not even necessarily one is like oh i'm waiting for the knockout and getting pissed off and i always get pissed off when people start booing i'm like dude are y'all paying attention to this fight this is a damn these this is a great chess match going on right here even you know if can, it is, even if it is really boring i would never boo someone no it man takes a lot of courage to Hell get in yeah. there and do what they're doing you got to respect that and <laughs> Sometimes it's boring because people are using a smart strategy to win exactly, and, and rather than go reckless and lose. But at the same time, just strictly speaking as a fan watching, that card was not. Yeah, okay, if one, if one matchup happens like that, you know, someone's just strategically being that way, you, you kind of expect that sometimes. But when you got like nine fights in a row, it's kind of like, oh, geez, come on. Do something. And you got some of the fighters kind of just running around like, really? You're running? Where, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> so, and you got to think like, you know, Dana's pissed about that. This dude's running every time. And he, like, this guy swings at him. I'm like, oh, my God. I can do that. Can I get a check? I can run. <laughs> I will say that much. Yeah, I may not have the skill set to fight back or whatever else or tap a guy out. I can run from a dude for a good paycheck. <laughs> I would have done that with Mike Tyson in a minute. Like, nah, you're not going to hit me, dude. I'm going to run a lot. But hey, $10, 10 million? I'm a running ass. You don't have to like me after that. You can boo me forever. I paid $10 million. <laughs> Kiss my ass. But these other guys, when you've trained for all these weeks for this, like, why are you running? Why is your back turned to this guy? Why are you literally running around the octagon? Don't do that, right. man. Right. It's not good I, for the I sport. Think, I think more and more people will look, take a page from Connor's book in terms of how he prepares for fights. Yeah. He's noticed that his whole notion is precision beats power, right? Yeah. So he's always focused on being really precise, which has worked really well. And he was still precise. He was which the means... first guy to beat Aldo in 10 years. He knocked him out in the first 14 seconds. Well, One hit, bam. And what does precision oh. really translate to? Efficiency. Something yeah. we all should be doing no matter what we do, whether we're training in the gym, whether we have a business, being as efficient as possible. Well, I mean, using what Pierre always said that the better his technique, the less he needs to worry about his conditioning. Yeah. He's not wasting energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a, that's another example of just being efficient. So I, th- I think more and more people are going to have to look at training camps of people not getting injured. Right. And the training, uh, like uh, Holly's training camp, right? Winkle John. 
that that's Sweet. a great training camp. Yeah, don't yeah, mention. That, hey, 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 hey. I'm not going hey, to. Don't mention. Why you say her name, man? Why'd you say her name? She hasn't even fought yet. Don't say her name. No, no, Holly Holmes. <laughs> I, I sincerely, if she gets injured, that card's over. But I bet if she's, but that camp, you don't see many injuries coming out. No, of No, you really don't. So it's so that, that's what I mean. That's an example of a camp that is is doing something right. Yeah. Like AKA, everybody's injured in that camp. Man. Luke Rockhold is fighting on antibiotics. So uh, I don't know if Cormier had injuries or not in any of his fights. I can't remember. But uh, Kane is perpetually injured. Yeah. So anyway, obviously it's a very intense sport, and injuries are are highly probable. Yeah, so they're I, inevitable. You know, just rarely you gonna have someone come into a fight one hundred percent. Oh you yeah, know, they're always gonna bring something with them. You know, but damn man, <laughs> so, something has to be. I think you have to get a lot of smart people together who are coaches in that world for some kind of symposium on. Okay, look, let's look at what we're doing mm. wrong collectively. Let's look at what we're doing right collectively right. and try to come up with some strategies. Injuries are always going to happen. I mean, it's not like MMA is the only sport where people get injured. Football right. is brutal. Yep. Basketball is brutal. All of these sports have tons. But damn, of here's tennis. the thing about that. You don't see, you know, you don't see the Broncos and the Panthers showing up for the Super Bowl and out of let's say 54 guys on the team, 39 of them are injured by the time you get to the Super Bowl, 16 weeks, you know, 20 weeks into the into the season, right. you know. So, so that's the thing about it. So we're, well, the thing is, there's a lot of guys will play on painkillers. Oh, so, of course. So a lot of guys are injured where they'll just push them through it. Yeah. They'll be like, okay, just take this and get the fuck back out there. You know, give me that cortisone shot. You know, give me this, you know, just like, come on. A lot, a lot of players are even – a lot of times it's not even the player saying, give me this and put me back out there. It's mm. someone else saying, hey, we're going to give you this to get you back out there. Usually it's the owner. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, because especially if it's their top guy who is their moneymaker, the people are coming right. to see that guy. Right. You know, it, it almost kind of sucks to be the face of a team or an organization because so much is on you. Like, well, if he, which kind of sucks because if you put all your money into this one person, they don't show up, then you feel like you're going to lose out financially. So it just makes you have to really evaluate that, man. Like, want to take on that role of being the face of the company because, you right. know, it comes. At the end of the day, if a team loses, people look at the quarterback. No one looks at the other guys, the other 10 guys on the line, you know, or the other guys on the defense or whatever, you know, or even defense-wise. Defense is the reason, you know, why the, the team, the other team scored so much. A lot of times people look at that one linebacker or that one defensive end, you know, not thinking that was, that was 10 other guys on the field with him. You know that, right? <laughs> so, you yeah. know, so it takes, you gotta really think about when you want to be the face of an organization, take on that responsibility. Hell, be the face of a damn country. Something goes wrong in the U S oh, the president sucks. <laughs> you know, so my, people, they want these high positions, man, to be the top dog. You gotta think yeah. about it. What comes along with that. So no, you want to be true. the CEO of a company, that company tanks, you know, there's people looking at you. You ran this company to the ground. Right. Um, um, this is a multi-billion-dollar corporation with a lot of employees. Yeah, but you are the you're the CEO. You know, it's, it's, this is right. on you. A lot of times, these guys are so high up, they don't even know half these people down below them. Hell, not more than half. <laughs> so, and sometimes it's it's really difficult to handle all of those issues exactly. in an organization where it's not even fair. To say this person is not leading well, because <laughs> right. there's so many intricacies there, you can't possibly squash all of those things or handle it delica- delicately or however it needs to be handled. Which kind of sucks. That's why it always sucks when you hear this, like with companies, you know, where the shareholders are not happy. Well, the shareholders are not here making decisions. They're just sitting here yeah. buying fucking shares yeah. and looking the at a prospectus. Shareholders don't run this company. And, and, and they, they, they half-ass read a prospectus, you know, once a year. <laughs> so. Well, one of the biggest <laughs> flaws in people's mentality on the stock market is that 
why do they think it's reasonable for a company to, to be profitable profit? every year? Yeah, yeah. Why why do they think it's well, increased profits every year? Why right. do they think that that's it's just going to be this ascension from start to finish? Every company has ups and ups and downs, right? Especially from a month to month standpoint. I mean, I've been doing my own business for a long time. No month is the same. No two no. months are the same. You may have like three great months, and then you have a bad month, and you have three great months again and two bad months. You know, you never know. Exactly. Sometimes you have two or three bad months in a row, and then you have. Great months. You some know, factors just, don't have anything to do with you. It's just like you know, you right. know, some people like okay, there was a big job loss market here, and people got you know a little weary about that. Holidays came up, or like I right. said, people kind of like oh, I need kind of be a little tighter with my money, and I just need to put off buying this product for now, but I'll get it later. You know, right. so, so you got to look at all those things, man. Some of the things are out of your control, but then you can't sit there and like oh, what are we gonna do about this? <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's like, like even like with your training, do you yeah. expect to be stronger at every single every workout? session because shit. We, we'd have linear, mutants by now. Linear fashion, yeah. <laughs> so you're just going to be stronger every workout in a linear fashion. And even People if you have those delusions where you're on a roll and you start yeah. calculating where you'll be if you stay on this roll. But here's the reality. You're not going <laughs> to stay on the roll for as long as you think you are, man. So you better enjoy it while it happens and then have the discipline to pull things back. Well, here's back. the thing, man. You keep Basically, that's the equivalent of winning all the time. What are you going to learn if you just keep getting what you want every freaking time? And how are you going to appreciate what you already have? Well, that, that's what Boss <laughs> Rudin said about Ronda Rousey on Joe Rogan's podcast yeah. recently. Boss, who's been on our show two times, great mm-hmm. guy, where he said that, look, Ronda is going to learn a lot from this loss. Yep. That's good. You know, it should make her more empathetic with people she beats. Yep. Or it's just other people <laughs> who lose. Now, who knows if that's going to happen? Because I saw Ronda on this, on the Ellen show. Oh, right? and Ellen show. There's clips of it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Where... Where Ellen would say, okay, what, it's Holly Holm. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Yes. Ron would be like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's like, like oh, what? It does, you, matter. It does matter. To my, to my, you know what her name is also? The champ. Okay. <laughs> it you know, does matter. Holly who kicked your fucking head off. You need to, re- yeah. Just, uh, so no like matter no what. Credit, then, no credit whatsoever. Well, there's no consistency. Still, still, yeah, still no credit to Holly on, hey. But in certain avenues, there's, no, in certain avenues. they put. Yeah, you know. But that was obviously not genuine. No. Otherwise, you'd be consistent. You still do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then, and and then, like, Matt Brown made a good point on the MMA debate, his (laughs) podcast, where he was talking about, like, Rhonda didn't say anything about what she did wrong and what she's going to do right (laughs) to make sure she goes back out and wins. Right. So you didn't give any respect to your opponent who beat you. (laughs) You didn't talk about anything you did wrong and what you could improve upon. And you didn't talk about what you're going to what you're going to get better at. So you go back and win. So basically, what you're saying is you're still the best one, and that was a fluke. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and even even when she talked about it, she's like, "Oh, I I got hit in the first round and my teeth were rattled." She didn't say Holly hit me and fucked my and rattled my teeth in the first. It's round. not like you ran your face into the cage yeah, door. Yeah, like, you know, I got hit because I did something. It's like, no, you got hit because you fought a superior opponent. At least on that night, <laughs> to my, I whose think, fist found your I think, face? I think a superior opponent. Period. <laughs> but definitely on that night. Yeah. So it's it's you don't learn from mistakes if you're not willing to acknowledge why the mistakes happened. Exactly. You're just going to keep making the same fucking mistake because you're not even willing to have enough wherewithal so, to realize this is why it happened. So that goes with your training. So when you sit there and say, like, oh, man, that program didn't work, you need to ask yourself, like, why is this program not working for me? What am, what could I have done better? What am I not doing right now? And, and most of the time it, did, it didn't work because people were way too <laughs> – 
generous with what they thought they could do. <laughs> right. So, so like, for example, like the Mark Philippi program, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, it's based on what your max is or your projected max, right? Right. So some people are like, oh, well, shit, you know, I'm going to, my projected max is 560 and they can't even deadlift 450. <laughs> and then, and then like week three goes by and they're, they're missing every single set. They're like, oh, this program doesn't work. Right. <laughs> what you should have done is been really conservative what your max is. You're like, well, I think I can do 500. Like, I don't give a fuck what you think you can do. What can you do? <laughs> What, what can you do right now? Because what you can do right now is what you're going to base the program on, not what you could do three years ago. Mm-hmm. So you do you go test a max, and let's say it's 445. Okay, well, that's it. That's your max. And then guess and there, what? There are a lot of ways to calculate that there. So let's say you do 445, you do it for three. There are one rep, one rep max calculators out there to kind of help you estimate now what your one rep max is. So if you did three reps and you knew that fourth one was going to be a little janky, you know, then, okay, you did three reps. Or if you did three reps and you felt like, okay, I could have done one more, well, then you can calculate four, you know, four reps of that. Don't necessarily do all four of them. You know, leave that one in the tank. You knew you had one in the tank you could have done. You you can gauge, rather, you can gauge on rep three how good rep four would have been if you had done it. So go there and you calculate that. And then it gives you an estimate what your one rep max is. There's so many free apps out there that do, that'll do that for you. Plenty of websites with that on there. So that's uh, how you do I mean, that. But it's always better to err on the side of less than more. Yeah. Because it's better to surprise yourself than to uh, favorably than to surprise yourself. So like uh, what the hell? Able, not, not be able to complete the program. Exactly. To too high. So, I mean, the first time I ever did Philippi's pro, the, the Cohen Philippi deadlift yeah. program, I calculated my max very conservative. I think I said 500, and I knew I could do more than that, like 510, right. 515. But I put at 500 so not only was I able to complete the program but i was at 525 by the end of the program right. which is more than i'd ever done before and then the second time around got up to 535 you know which again mm. is not as much as the first time but it's still more than i've ever done before and i did the same thing with matt crocs program at mm. that time I, I wasn't at 535 deadlifting i was at about probably 515 or so so i put the max at 500 again mm-hmm. and then by the end of that program i was at 555 so so it just goes to show you you're still going to get great results if you lowball it a little bit, but you're definitely not going to get good results if you overestimate what you can do. It's and just going to backfire. And going back to what we discussed at the beginning of this recording, that also gives you time to dial it in because you're not struggling with something that's way too freaking heavy for you to be to right. lift. And now you got this ugly lift. You've taken the time, you've had the patience to dial in the technique, try to be as efficient, again, there's that word again, efficient as possible with your movement. And therefore, that actually opens up the door to really hit that max, hit that number and surprise yourself. You know, because again, you're dialing everything in, you're putting all the chips in the right place and to get to, to get to where you want to be with that. Because yeah. cause one thing about it, man, yeah, that phrase, the struggle is real. It is. When you're struggling, you know, the reality is you're not going to get that well, goal that you're trying to hit. You have all that practice when you finally are ready to go for it. You know, yeah. This is where you're going for that max. You're primed and ready to do it. You're going to yep. be in the pocket. You're not doubting yourself. You're not you, don't like, have to, you don't have to think about five different ways to set up the bar <laughs> and how to get in this thing. It's like, no, it's going to be automatic now. You grab yep. the, you, you've grabbed the bar and got into position a million times already. <laughs> So now when you do it, it's automatic. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to achieve your true one rep max if it's not automatic. If you have to actually think about your technique, if if the rep wasn't as good technique as you should have done, that also means that you haven't mastered the move. You know, yeah. It should be automatic at a certain point or it was too heavy for you, one of yeah. the other things. <laughs> but when, once you're in the pocket, even when it's really heavy, you're still going to stay in the pocket. So that, and the, but the most important thing here is that you're going to avoid injuries. You're not going to fuck yourself up. You're going to avoid burning. You're, you're going to avoid burnout. You're going to avoid injuries, and you're going to avoid 
just of missing reps, which is very right. demoralizing. When you keep missing reps all the time, you're like, what the fuck am I <laughs> Why doing? Why am wrong? I here? <laughs> you, you, want to, you want to leave each workout with a feeling of success. Yeah. Like I, I went in to do these numbers and I hit them. Yep. <laughs> that should happen most of the time. In business is not much different. You know, you have certain projections, you hit those rather than you just keep falling short of everything you're doing. Yep, because otherwise you're questioning yourself like, okay, what do I, why am I doing this again? And then you probably won't come back. You won't try it again. So, Yeah, so it's cool. kind of like this episode. We're going to stop there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're going to just keep going on. You know, like, that episode was good until they got to the two-hour mark and then they hit a tipping point. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it up there. And you guys have better things to do right now, such as use that coupon code LLA to go over to MikeMahler.com and get 10% off the best nutrition best nu- Yep, the show's too long. (laughs) The best testosterone booster around, ASTP, (laughs) the best estrogen blocker, EC, and get some recovery oil so you get some deep sleep, feel restored, rejuvenated, ready to go. (laughs) So use that coupon code LLA, get 10% off. Yep, same thing, newwarriortraining.com. Use that same coupon code, get the best portable stand that you can get to have your pour over coffee pour over tea with the cheria doors over there you got the best online weight management program over there pretty much you got your own pace you can use that coupon code for that you can grab the wellness code book as well as well as my bodyweight training dvd because hey man it's about to warm up for some of you guys in certain parts of the world and the country you're ready to get back outside get back outside with your training and get away from those four pasty white walls of the gym that you go to and you want to add a little fun to your program but at the same time not just waste your time you actually want to actually build some strength and get some great mobility in there and that's what you'll find on that bodyweight training dvd you can grab that as well you can download that as well from newwarriortraining.com use that same coupon code and also last but not least you can head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a monthly supporter of the show. And one thing about it, you have your projections right there. You know that, hey, I'm helping and contributing to this show. I know the show's still going to be around. And I'm doing my part about this. So if each and every one of you think that, then yes, you will hit your goal of having this show on and continue to bring you guys great information. So thanks to everyone that's already a subscriber to Patreon and supporting us on a monthly basis and everyone else. Hey, man, jump on board. Hey, it's fun over here. Come party with us. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, last one more thing. Head over to iTunes and Stitcher. Rate and also leave us a review and send that episode out to your friends on social media. Let them know what's going on over here on the LLA show. All right. There yeah, you go. We have thousands of listeners and I think 197 reviews on iTunes. Come on. We're going to change we need, that. We need, we need to get that number over 200. Yeah. We need to get it over 500. And all you have to do is just go on there in a sentence or two. Yep. Hey, we'll this is why I like the show. Bam. It's my favorite episode of the show. Bam. Boom. So Stitcher as well. Stitcher yep. iTunes. Go leave us some reviews. That really helps out. Yep. Appreciate that. All right, folks, let's go wrap it up for this week. So uh, we'll talk to you guys on the next show. Take care. Take care, everyone.